of uh, Geirut. Uh, we're going to be starting on page 206. Um, let me quickly summarize what we discussed uh, in last week's share. We saw that there seems to be an unequivocal obligation. The essence of Geirut is Kabbalat Mitzvot, that a person has to accept the Mitzvot. We then saw that there are three mechanisms of what one has to do in order to technically become a Ger. One has to have a Brit Milah for males. Everyone has to go to the Mikvah, uh, male and female. And in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, one would have to bring a Karban. In the times that we don't have a Beit HaMikdash, so the Geirim basically have an obligation that when the Beit HaMikdash, Bezrat Hashem, will be rebuilt tomorrow, they will have to bring a Karban. So that's the mechanism. Then we brought um, the Gemara in Bechorot, Daf Lamet, that basically said that when it comes to Kabbalat or Mitzvot, acceptance of Mitzvot, if a, if a Ger is not prepared to accept even one Halacha, and we said even one Halacha Midr Rabbanan, then we don't accept that, we can't accept them as a convert. We noted that according to Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, he understood that Gemara as being even Bediyebe, that if a convert, if a Beitin accepted a convert, but he didn't plan on keeping mitzvah A, B, and C, so his conversion is really not, uh, it didn't work, even Bediyebe. That's how we saw Rabbi Moshe Feinstein understanding the Gemara in Bechorot. We brought three leniencies in terms of how we understand this concept of Kabbalat or Mitzvot. The first leniency we saw was the Shit of the Achiezer, Rav Chaim Oizeh Grodzinski. Rav Chaim Oizeh basically said that if a person says, in principle, I accept all the Mitzvot in the Torah and all the rabbinic obligations, etc. However, I will not be able to withstand a temptation because of my desire. Um, to eat the cheeseburger, whatever it is, that is not considered a lacking in his acceptance of mitzvot. He's accepting the mitzvot. And he's telling us that he's a human being with, with certain tithers and certain weaknesses, and he won't be able to withstand certain uh, trials um, and desires that he may have. According to Rabbi Chaim Oizer, that would still fit in within the rubric of Kabbalat or mitzvot. In the next sentence, the Rav Chaim Oizah says, but if a person would not accept Shabbos and Kashrut um, and, and, and things like that, then we'll say that this really is a lacking in his Kabbalat or Mitzvot. And we ask the question, a person could say, I really want to keep all the Mitzvot, but Shabbos without electricity, without looking at my cell phone for 25 hours is just not possible. So how would that fit within what Rav Chaim is saying? One could really say, I really want to keep, uh, I accept the laws of Kashrut, but it's difficult. I like my shrimps and I like my... So it seems that what we answered here was basically that there, there's a certain quantitative amount or qualitative mitzvot that if a person doesn't live by them, then we do say that he's really there was a lacking in his acceptance of mitzvot, right? That there's certain pillars of what it means to be a from Jew. And if a person doesn't live in that way, then we cannot say that he really accepted all mitzvot. Um, and this is just a, a weakness or a desire. Really, there was a lacking in his acceptance of mitzvot. Now, where you draw the line between 
what the Rav Chaim Oizes said in point number one, that he accepted it, but he's got a certain weakness regarding halacha A or B, as opposed to when he doesn't accept Shabbos and uh, Kashrut, where there he says, well, that's a lacking. Is there any, you know, gray area in the middle where one could say, well, I'm not sure, is this part of, it's a full acceptance, but he's got a desire, or is this really a lacking in his acceptance of mitzvot? Well, that, we, we leave that as, as, as really a, a question um, that we're not going to resolve in the shir, but within the shita of Rav Chaim Oizek I think there is room to to have different opinions and different bataydin might put the goalposts in different areas. That was leniency number one. Leniency number two we saw was <coughs> Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe Feinstein was dealing with a woman that basically converted and she had just got a new job and she was concerned that, you know, three day yontif would just the boss is going to fire her and she basically when she converted she decided that she had known that she was going to go to work and obviously do malacha whatever it is that she had to do at work so the question is was that a good conversion and Rav Moshe Feinstein basically gives another leniency he says in the event that a person accepts the mitzvot but says if he's forced to do something, he will not be able to withstand a certain trial. For example, there's certain obligation, a certain Averoth that the Torah says, someone says you to murder someone, you have to take the bullet um, instead of murdering them. If someone says, I will not be able to take the bullet uh, in, uh, instead of bowing down to the Avodah I'm probably going to bow down to the Avodah says Ramashi Feinstein, that's not a lacking in his Kabbalat or Mitzvot. And then he takes it one step further. And he says not only you know, to take the bullet, to die, a person is not prepared to die, but even for monetary trials. A person is, will not stand the monetary trial of maybe losing their job. That, again, is not a lacking in Kabbalat or Mitzvot. And we saw that that was basically Rabbi Moshe Feinstein said that this woman's conversion was legitimate, was valid, because she was accepting all the mitzvot. She just didn't withstand, she couldn't withstand the trial, the monetary trial of losing her job. The third leniency that we saw, which was a debate, <laughs> and that is, in halakha we have a principle of dvarim shebaleid enam dvarim. Whatever I'm thinking in my heart is not really of any significance. If I, des if, if I decide to have a sell a car someone decides to buy my car we agree we sign a contract but really you know i wasn't really signing it i thought i was only joking i thought maybe um maybe i would sign it uh maybe i didn't really want to sell it that makes no difference because um no, you prefer here, yeah, Professor, to be able to hear me. Um, so, <coughs> welcome, Mr. Rothschild. Nice to have you with us. Um, so, according to, according to this opinion of things that are in my heart, halakhically have no significance, that is clear when it comes to a, a monetary deal. If I sign a deal with someone and then I say, well, actually, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't mean it. 
we signed the deal, and therefore dvarim shebelei, whatever was in my heart, enam dvarim have no halachic significance, and I have to fulfill the obligation that I said, sell the car, buy the car, whatever it is. The question is regarding conversion. Conversion. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is regarding conversion. Do we say dvarim shebeleiv enam dvarim? Whatever in a, is a person's heart is insignificant. If a person says he's going to accept mitzvot, he's makabel all mitzvot. Even if he in his heart he didn't, it is of no halachic significance, and therefore he is a Jew. Or do we say no? When it comes to conversion, what is, what is, what's in a person's heart is critical. And we say, Dvarim Shebeleiv, Dvarim. What what's going on in a person's heart is, is important to us. What did we saw? We saw that basically the Beit Yitzchak of Shmuel Shmelkes said that when it comes to conversion, Dvarim Shebeleiv, Dvarim. We have to try and figure out what a person is in what a person's intention is and not just what he says in front of the Beitim. We saw Rav Cook wrote that no, if a person says he accepted mitzvot, then we don't start uh, trying to be wise and did he mean it, did he not mean it. Now we said one caveat it sounds like Rabbi Cook Rav Avram Yitzhak Cook is lenient over here. But the truth is, is that the context of that tshuva was not clear. The context of the tshuva was that a guy converted. He married a Jewish girl. A year later, he went, left Israel and went to do a Bodhazari in the middle of, of India. And now this woman was an Aguna. And so the question is, someone wanted to say, she doesn't need a get because he's not Jewish, because his conversion wasn't, wasn't uh, sincere. And Rav Cook wasn't prepared to be lenient to let this woman um, not need a get. Does that mean that Rav Cook in general would be lenient regarding, uh, regarding conversion? I'm not certain. Marosh Kolel, Rav Shlomo Levi, definitely didn't uh, view it that way. He viewed that Rav Cook was being machmir over here, but he would definitely not be lenient regarding other issues of conversion. Yeah. Why should we assume that at the moment that he converted, his Aleb, he didn't really mean it? Correct. At the moment he converted, he did really mean it. Something happened. Every, I agree, and everyone agrees, that if we believe, if we believe that at the moment he converted, he was sincere. Whatever happens later on has no bearing. It's a valid, and he's basically Meshumad. Uh, he's a, a Jew that's gone off the, the derech. But if we are now not sure that at the time he went to the mikveh, he was actually sincere, and we have an umdana demuchach, we have a clear assessment that he wasn't sincere, for example. The guy is getting, uh, goes to the mikvah on Thursday. And he's got, he, we, we found out later that two days later he's on a plane on Shabbat to Cyprus. Now when did he, and he bought the ticket, he bought the ticket the week before. That means 
When he went to the mikveh, he knew that he was going to get on a plane two days later and be Mechal al-Shabbos. That is what we will call an umdana demucha. That is a clear assessment that at the time that he went to the mikveh and stood in front of the Beitin, he wasn't sincere. And in that case, right, that's the discussion. Do we say, even if we have an umdana demucha, varim varim, or do we say, no, we take into consideration his intention, and if we have a clear assessment that his intention was insincere, his conversion is invalid. Okay? Up until now, a summary of the shear that we did last week. We are now uh, continuing. Okay? And um, I'd like to... We've given a basic assumption that up until now, that acceptance of mitzvot is critical. If you don't accept mitzvot, then there was no conversion. But here comes, and that's based on a Shulchan Aruch. Let's read the Shulchan Aruch together. Source number 5 on page 206. When it comes to all of the issues of a convert, whether it is telling the convert regarding the acceptance of the mitzvot, or whether it is the circumcision or going to the mikvah, it has to be done in front of three people that are worthy to judge, i.e. abating. Says the Shulchan Aruch, and it has to be done during the day. Umihu, however, that is only lechatchila at the outset. Aval bedi evet, post facto, im lo ma'ol taval ele bifnei shnaim uvelayla. If he did the Brit Mila and he went to the mikveh only in front of two people and he did it at night. Afilu lo taval l'shem gerut ele ishe taval l'kiryo v'ishashe tabla l'nidata. And he didn't even go to the mikveh for the purpose of conversion. Let's say it was a woman going to the mikveh for the purpose of uh, um, becoming tahara from, from her status of nida. Have again, it's still considered a good conversion. Umutar be Israelit, he can marry a Jewish girl, Jewish boy. Chutz mi kabalat mitzvot im eina bayom uveshlosha. The only thing that we say is critical, even bediyebet, that has to be done in front of three judges and has to be done during the day, is kabalat all mitzvot, the acceptance of mitzvot that has to be done in front of judges. In the day, so we see clearly from the Shulchan Aruch that Kabbalat or Mitzvot, the acceptance of Mitzvot, is critical to the conversion process. Not only is it critical, it is the only part of the conversion process that if you didn't do it in front of the Beitin, it's not going to work. Okay? Now look at the Shulchan Aruch in a few Sifim later. Is this referring to, in any way, to this Right. What you're learning now about conversion, it has nothing to do with this week's parish. Yeah. No, it has nothing to do with this week's parish. You're just general. Just general. On the halacha. topic of conversion. Yes, it has to do with last week's uh, Chag, which was Matan Torah. Yeah. Right? Chag Shavuot and Chag Shavuot. So all of the halachot of conversion are learned from Matan Torah. So that's the, that's the connection. 
Okay? Now, the Shulchan Aruch writes, and let's see if there's a contradiction to what we've just read before. Vim lobat They didn't check this person, what was his intention, why is he interested in converting. And they didn't inform him of the reward of the mitzvot and their punishment. And he did the, the circumcision and the mikveh in front of three uh, simple judges. It is a, this person is a convert. Even if we become aware that he was converting for an ulterior motive, to get married to someone, for example, since he, conver- he did the circumcision and went to the mikvah, he has gone out of the category of idolatry. And we are concerned regarding him until he proves his righteousness. And even if he goes back and serves idols, he's like a Israel who's just gone off the derech. He's now, you know, a Meshumat. He's considered a Jew. His marriage is a marriage. His wife is now going to need a get. One second. So let's just examine this, the wording of the Shulchan Aruch over here. What, what did he say? In, in, in line number three, he says, since he, he says, even if we didn't inform the reward of the mitzvot and the, uh, the, the, the punishments, etc., since he did the circumcision and he went to the mikvah, it's considered a valid gerut, even if there were ulterior motives. Then, so, so do we need Kabbalat or Mitzvot or not? According to that Shulchan Aram. What would you say? Could I ask a question yes. before that? Yes. What is the Choshishim? Oh, we're going to get to the Choshishim. We're going to get to the Choshishim. But at this stage, at this stage, from the beginning of the Shulchan Aram, what does it mean? Would you say that you need Kabbalat or Mitzvot? He went before the Beitim. There was definitely a Beitim. But it didn't, they didn't tell him about the mitzvot. So it's, it seems to be implied. The yeah. fact that he's gone through the process right. of being in front of three people, right. doing Mila and doing Tfilah, that's sort of, he's proving himself that, that you're not going to just do that just stump. You're going to do it because you He have, wants to be part of Amisrael. Yeah. But he didn't want even to if he didn't even say Kabbalah mitzvot. Kabbalah mitzvot eh? so, so you're so. saying from this Shulchan Aruch, it, it seems that Kabbalat or Mitzvot is not critical. Or that not the express... Uh, or the express... Yeah, because yeah, like he says in the, in the first not one... So says, clear. Not so clear, not so clear. Okay, so here it's presumably Bayom, it's in front of three Hejotot. So there was a lacking of the guy doesn't know about the mitzvot. So how can he have Kabbalat on mitzvot? It's critical. So you're saying So how does that fit in with the Shulchan Aruch beforehand? The Shulchan Aruch beforehand said, Even Bediyevet. 
there's one word that's the difference between the two. Lekablam. It says in the first the first source. Right. It says Ben Mitzvot Lekablam. Right. Which apparently means that he he has to fully accept upon himself to mm-hmm. take it. Right. Second source. Maybe it's like a general. Okay. So Rav Hillel, Rav Hillel has pointed out there's a difference between. The halacha seif gimel, where here the, Shab- the Shulchan Aruch is referring to kabbalat mitzvot, and the Shulchan Aruch in seif yud bet, where he's talking about hodaat mitzvot, right, so informing of mitzvot. Yeah, so yud bet is like if you, you go on like a, these courses before Geirut, where you learn about the various right. things, whereas uh, the Gimel is saying Kabbalat Mitzvah is what I was saying is implied is like by the fact he's gone through yeah, the process yeah. of the Mila and the Tvila he's proving his Kabbalat Mitzvah without necessarily knowing all the details okay so very good this is basically the idea of the Chemdat Shlomo the Chemdat Shlomo basically says there's no contradiction in the uh, Shulchan Aruch I'll come back to your, your question how we, how we explain the word Choshoshin in a moment but the, the Chemdat Shlomo says like this a convert needs to accept the body of mitzvot, all mitzvot. Now, do we expect that every convert knows all 613 mitzvot that he can list them mm-hmm. and all the rabbinic decrees? I think most religious Jews, in fact, I would dare to say most rabbis would not be able to list all 613 mitzvot listed in the Sefer Achinuch on the Sefer HaMitzvot of the Rambam, right? So clearly, we're not expecting these guys to be bigger than the Rosh Yeshiva, mm-hmm. that some of them don't know all of the mitzvot. That is knowledge of mitzvot. There's a difference between a, a girl who says, look, I'm a kabel, the idea of mitzvot, but he doesn't know that there's a mitzvah called Pidyon Aben or Reshit Hagez. So when he finds out about it, he'll accept it. But we do, he doesn't need to know, and that's what the Rambam is saying over here, even though he didn't inform him of, and the Shulchan Aruch, even though he didn't inform him of all those mitzvot. So he's got a, he's got a hold here. He doesn't know the laws of Shemitah. It's not the end of the world. It's not a lacking in his acceptance of mitzvot. So the Chem that Shlomo says, there's no contradiction. The Shulchan Aruch is still pretty much uh, consistent with his opinion that Kabbalat or mitzvot, that acceptance of mitzvot is critical. If a convert is not prepared to accept the mitzvot, he cannot convert. However, does he have to know all the mitzvot? No. Whatever the rabbis will tell him, that is basically what he accepts. Now, um, let me... Uh, okay, so let's, uh, let's skip now to, to the opinion of... If we've basically established that clearly Kabbalat mitzvot is critical, right? And we've pretty much given three understandings of what Kabbalat mitzvot are based on the Achiezer of Moshe Feinstein and uh, Rav Kook, but everyone agrees that it's critical and we've proven that might be the, that is the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch. How do we reconcile that with certain stories brought down in the Gemara? Yes, anyone? Neither the rabbi, no rabbi cook, expect him to expect that he is familiar with all 613. Correct, correct. That's how we answered it. Right. No one expects the convert to know all 613. 
the concept of Kabbalat or Mitzvot, then he that is he's accepted. Correct. But here comes the question. I'm going to read. We're going to now learn three different stories in the Talmud and see whether they hold up to what we've just defined. Okay. The famous story number one is Masechet Shabbos Daf Lamed Aleph. It's on page 213, source 15. Tana Rabbanan, we've learned in a Once a non-Jew came in front of Shammai, Amarlo, Kama Torot How many Torahs do you have? Amarlo Stein. Torah Shabichtav, Torah Shabalpe. We have the oral Torah, we have the written Torah. Amarlo. So the non-Jew says, Shabichtav Shabalpe, I believe in the written Torah, the oral Torah, I don't believe you. I want you to convert me in order to teach me the written Torah, but forget about the oral Torah. Shammai basically rebuked him and sent him packing. Explains Rashi, why did Shammai send him packing? Source number 16 says Rashi, Detanya, because we've learned already in last week's year the Gemara in Bechorot. Ger abalit kaber, elit kayer. A convert that comes to convert, the kibel alav divrei tova chutzmi davar echad, but doesn't want to accept even one halacha, ain't mekavninoto. We cannot convert him. So Beit Shammai was saying, this guy doesn't want to accept all of Torah Shabal all of the oral Torah, I cannot accept him. The Gemara continues, what happens? He came in front of Hillel, Gairek, and Hillel converted him. So, so, so what just happened? Didn't we just say that part of conversion is to accept the mitzvot? This convert didn't accept all of the Torah Shabal Peh. That's not just one mitzvah, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's huge. So how did Hillel convert him? explains the Gemara, the first day that he after seems after the conversion, he taught him Aleph Bet Gimel The next day, he took the letter Aleph and he said, this is a Dalet. He took the letter Bet, he said, this is a Gimel. Sort of confusing him what he taught him the day before. So, so the, not, the convert now said to Hillel, but yesterday you, didn't, you taught me the opposite. How did you know yesterday that what I taught you was an Aleph? You relied on me. Relied on me also that there's Torah Shabal Peh, there's also an Ara Torah, and that's basically um, what happened. Right? So the question is like this. Let's just read Rashi. Rashi said, how did Hillel convert this person who seemingly did not accept mitzvot? i.e. if you don't accept Torah Shabal Peh, that is a huge lacking in your Kabbalat or Mitzvot. Says Rashi, V'samach al chokhmato. He relied on his wisdom. That in the end of the day, he will convince him to accept the Mitzvot. And says Rashi, and this isn't similar to a person who was Accepting all of the mitzvot except for one halacha. Why not? Hillel was an optimist. Hillel was an optimist, but <laughs> he was definitely an optimist. But Rashi explains. 
okay, Hillel's an optimist, but you know, that's it doesn't give him license to convert a person based on optimism. How does that work? Says Rashi. This non-Jew, it's not that he didn't believe in the concept of the oral Torah. He didn't believe that the oral Torah came from Akash Baruch It was some type of, um, I don't know, call it rabbinic, uh, um, um, some type of invention. The Hillel and Hillel was convinced that he would be able to convince this person that also Torah Shabal Peh, the oral Torah, is came from, from heaven. Now, does, does that really answer our question? I just want to phrase the question. We, up until this point, have said that a Kabbalat or Mitzvot is critical. You have to accept the Mitzvot. Then we hear the story that Hillel basically didn't want to, Hillel accepted a convert even though he didn't believe in the Torah Shabbal Peh, in the Oral Torah. That seems to be a lack in an Ol Mitzvot. And the Gemara Rashi says that Hillel um, basically relied on his own wisdom that he'd be able to convince him. And Rashi says that there's a difference. He believed in the Oral Torah, he just didn't believe that the Oral Torah was Min Shammai. Okay, let's leave that on the back burner. I want to um, read the Igrot Moshe over here. Because here, Rav Moshe Feinstein, I think, says, uh, he, he's trying to uh, resolve how this story in the Gemara fits in with everything that we've learned that Kabbalat or Mitzvot is critical. So, so how does it work? Now, says Rav, Rav Moshe Feinstein, this is Igrot Moshe Yerodea Gimel Kufbav. Since he accepted certain mitzvot, even though he didn't accept all of them, he is a convert. And he's obligated in all the mitzvot, even the mitzvot that he didn't accept. What is Rav Moshe Feinstein basically telling me now? Remember, we said the Gemara in Bechorot last week. We do not accept it. Correct? We do not accept him. And I asked over then, does that mean we do not accept this Ger only L'Chathchila? But if a Beitin did accept him, the conversion would be okay? And if you remember Rav Moshe Feinstein in source number 4, Right on page 206 said explicitly that he means Rav Moshe finds him in Igrot Moshe Yoredea Bet understood that even Bediyevet is not a convert. Here, Rav Mo- same Rav Moshe finds him, Yoredea Gimel seems to understand the Gemara differently. I think there's a contradiction within the truths of Rav Moshe finds him. I don't know how to resolve this, but I think it's a clear contradiction. Here, Moshe Feinstein is basically saying that Bediyevet, even if it was a partial acceptance of mitzvot, it was a mitzvah. Right? So, um, and, and, and basically, therefore, um, uh, one second, let's just skip uh, one or two lines. Aval um, Hukshan Rashi al But now Rashi had a question. So, 
really the question is, has on a certain level been reduced. If we say that partial Kabbalat or mitzvot is a valid conversion, so that's so Hillel's understand that's why Hillel converted him. It's still difficult. Why? Because even if we're going to go with the lenient reading of that Gemara in Bukharat, only Bidi Ebed, post facto, if you did convert him, the conversion works, even with partial Kabbalat or Mitzvah. But Lechatchila, at the outset, you shouldn't have done it. So this is Ramosh Feinstein now saying. So, okay, so we understand in the Gemara in Bukharat that Bidi Ebed, partial Kabbalat or Mitzvah might be a conversion. But then, But Hillel, why did he convert him? Even if you say that partial mitzvot is Kabbalat or mitzvot and Beliebel, it's a good conversion, you shouldn't have converted him. So, what was Hillel doing? How much more so you shouldn't have accepted such a convert? All of the oral Torah. And on this, Rashi answered, That after what he will teach him, he will, uh, he will accept it. What is, um, what is, Rav Moshe Feinstein really say. Conversion, when it comes to partial mitzvot, Bili Ebed is a conversion. Not how we understood the Gemara in Bechorot in last week's year. Right? And not how Rav Moshe Feinstein understood the Gemara in Bechorot. Okay? However, Lechatchila, you shouldn't convert a person. Unless, unless, you, when I say you, I mean the Beitin, right, feel or certain that this convert will ultimately be an El Chayid and accept all of the mitzvot and not just partial mitzvot. Now that is a radical, a radical change from what we've seen up until now. Basically, what are we saying? We're saying that perhaps a person, person does not have complete Kabbalat or mitzvot. In the end of the day, it's up to the baiting to decide whether they believe this person will ultimately live a from, as a from Jew and be Makabal or mitzvot. Yeah, but the question is when? As in, here from the story of Hillel, you see yeah. that he was learning with him immediately afterwards. And right. he said to him, Look, I'm gonna, like, it's gonna happen, sounds like pretty immediate. Yes. So the question is, how far do you take that? I mean, like, how long. They say he's going to live a from life. What does that right. mean? In a month, in a year, in three years, in 20 years, in 50 years, in 100 years? Like, what does that mean? Okay, very good. So, so just uh, Daniel's question, look at the Maharsha. The Maharsha, basically, that huge chidush of Ramosha Feinstein, the Maharsha comes and squashes it and kind of puts it in a little box. And he explains the story of Hidal completely different. Source number 20, page uh, 218. Right? Because this person, why did Hillel not basically tell him all these halachot in the beginning? Why? Because he wouldn't have converted. However, it's difficult. However, it's difficult. 
sorry, this is the second story that we haven't got to. That this guy basically wanted to convert to become the coin gadol. Now, obviously, a convert can't become a coin gadol, right? So, so why didn't Hillel tell him? Hillel converted him anyway. Sarich Lomar and says the Maharsha, had the Kamar Balif Hillel the Gaira. That which the Gemara says he came in front of Hillel and Hillel converted him, Lab Dafka. Doesn't mean he converted him straight away. He only converted him once he had already convinced him of all these misunderstandings that this non-Jew had and Hillel was able to kind of straighten him, put him on the, the straight and narrow, that's when he converted him. In other words, what is the Maharsha saying? The first story was the convert didn't believe in Torah Shabal Peh. Hillel didn't convert him at that stage. What a do? Hillel took him to a Beit Sefer, taught him, and he clarified to him that the oral Torah is just as valid as the written Torah. And only after that point did he convert him. So the Marsha is saying that Yomakama doesn't mean yeah. the day after he was Megaya. It means the first day that he started. The first day he started later. the conversion process, but not right. that he was converted. So that's, so that's obvious because. Version always happens at the end of the process. But it's just not the pshat that Rashi understood or not the pshat that Toswar understood. The literal translation of the Gemara was he converted him. It means he eventually converted him. That's your Obviously, understanding. Yeah. That's understanding of the Maharsha. No one who converts, converts immediately and then starts learning. It's obvious. You first start learning the so it's Kushia, Kasha, and Rashi. Okay. <coughs> you agree with me that the literal translation of the Gemara, as well as how Rashi understood it and Toswat, does not uh, agree with how the Maharsha and you are saying, even though it's a very logical explanation. Okay? It's also, it's also if you go back to the Shulchanach, yes. we saw... Yes, operation uh, plans then. Because the Shulchanach said, you can accept it, and then afterwards you learn that very one. Very liberal. He was liberal in certain, uh, <laughs> in certain uh, issues. He was very stringent in others, but... Rav Moshe Feinstein was one of the poskim that understood the nuances and the changes in society and understood that, that related how those changes adapt, um, how the halacha kind of relates to changing situations. So I agree with you that, that one could say that, but we still have to uh, be, there still has to be a certain integrity to the halachic process. So the question is uh, what just went on over here? So we've got two understandings of the story of Hillel. The one understanding of the Marasha, basically there's no Hiddush. I, there's no contradiction because basically there was Kabbalat or Mitzvot. When, they, when Okay, but the Gemara says that the guy didn't accept the Mitzvot. Yeah, that was at the beginning of his journey. But the Beitin didn't convert him. Hillel didn't convert him until he had all his ducks in a row and, and he understood what it means to be a Jew and Kabbalat or Mitzvot. That's opinion of the Marsha. Okay. Or you could say the opinion of Rav Moshe Feinstein. And Rav Moshe Feinstein over here is basically giving us two huge chidushim. Chidush number one, that Bidi Ebed, Bidi Ebed, partial Kabbalat or Mitzvot might actually be valid. And the Gemara that says, Ein Mekablinoto, what language is Ein Mekablinoto? We do not accept. That is, Lechatchila. If he's coming to us, we don't accept him. But if a baiting converted, the conversion, 
is chal, is valid. And that's the second Chiddush of Rav Moshe finds. What does it come out from here? It comes out that basically, in the end of the day, it depends on the Beitin. If the Beitin, over here it was Hillel, felt confident that this guy was going to be a sincere and from Yid, they were prepared to con- con- convert him. Now look at the Shach. This is not... The Shach says, V'katvu ha-tosvot. Source number 22. V'katvu ha-tosvot. Da'ahi da'ata l'kameh de'hilel. Regarding the story that we just said, regarding Hillel, V'amalei gireni al-manatri yeh koin gadol. Convert me on condition that I'll be a coin gadol. I'm sorry, we, we, we skipped that source. So, so maybe let's just read it inside. Go back. We, it's an important uh, Gemara. So, so let's just um, read mm-hmm. that. 217. 217. The Gemara basically says, um, again, Shabbat Lamedala. Another story. Midrash. He was standing outside the Beit Midrash, describing all of the big day kahuna that the coin Gadol would wear. He said, who wears these fancy garments, these jewels? The coin Gadol. I'll convert on so that I'll become the coin gadol and I'll be able to wear this beautiful outfit with all these jewels. Balif Shamai, he came in front of Shamai. Amarla Gereni, I'm not sure to see many coin gadol. Convert me, because I want to be the coin gadol. Dachfu ba'amata binyan shemiyadol. Shamai basically pushed him down the stairs. That's it. Get out of here. Balif Hillel, came in front of Hillel. Gaire, and he converted him. Now. Was there Kabbalat on Mitzvot, complete Kabbalat on Mitzvot? The guy converted in order that he will be coin Gadol. Now, did he, did clearly a, a convert, can, even Israel, cannot be a coin Gadol. Unless you're a coin, you can't be a coin Gadol. So that's not a, that's a, that's a halacha that obviously he didn't accept. So where's the Kabbalat on Machut Shemaim of you? Where's the Kabbalat on Mitzvot? Continues the Gemara. Now Hillel says to this convert, he's already converted, you can't become royalty until you know all the rituals of royalty. So go learn what the coin Gadol has to do before we can, you know, before we can move along the process of making you coin Gadol. So he went and he learned all the halachot of what it means to be a coin Gadol. It says that anyone who is a zar, a commoner, i.e. Non, a non-coin, who comes close to certain areas in the Beit HaMikdash, Yumat, will be put to death. Amar lay. So he said to himself, Mikraze aminema. So, so he said to Hillel, who, who's this pastor referring to? Amar lay afino David melech Yisrael. Even King David himself, if he were to go into, for example, the Kodesh Kodashim, the Holy of Holies, he would be put to death. So this convert now made a kalvachomer. Even Jewish people that Hashem calls them their firstborn, etc. And nevertheless, they called commoners, and they, you know, if they go in the place where they're not meant to, they're going to uh, be put to death. 
So how much more so me that have converted, I don't have any ancestral uh, heritage. So obviously I can't be the Kohen Gadol. And he came to that conclusion himself, right? And basically the, the Gemara continues, he went in front of Shammai then and he said, obviously I can't be a Kohen Gadol because I'm a convert. And then he came in front of Hillel, Blessed are you, Hillel, because of your humility, you brought our emeritor to come under the, the wings of the Shechina. End of that story. Right? So basically we see from here. We understand what Shammai did. Shammai basically said, this guy has not got Kabbalat or Mitzvot. I cannot accept him. But Hillel converted him. And over here, by the way, Rav Hillel. Hillel. It says explicitly in the continuation that he was the convert, right? Came and he was learning. So it's difficult to say what the Maharishal was trying to say, that this whole process took place before he converted. You're a deadly convert once you sign up for the converted course. Okay. Possible. You, you, there's, there's, you're a student. You're, you're a student in the convert. The Gemara said convert meant a student for the conversion process. Okay, it, it could be. All I'm saying is that the simple pshat of the Gemara seems to be how Rashi understood it. That we're talking about the guy converted, how Rav Moshe Feinstein understood it. And then we have a question. What happened to Kabbalat or Mitzvot? And now we can understand what Rav Moshe Feinstein is saying. And let's go back to the Shach now, source 22. I want you to convert me in order that I'll be the coin Gadol. Says the Shach, the Sifte coin, that Hillel was, was convinced, he was certain. That in the end of the day, he's going to be a Erlich do things to the Shem Shamayim. And from here, one can learn. That in the end of the day, it all depends on the Beit Din's assessment. Yeah, well, that's what you wanted to say in the name of the Aruch HaShulchan. It's already in the Shach. To say, on condition that it becomes a coin is Meshuggah. It is Meshuggah. It is Meshuggah. And therefore... So he's saying the guy was, wasn't serious. He was... You can't accept him. So how did Hillel accept him? Because Hillel, Hillel... But Hillel did accept him. So the question is how Hillel accepted him. So Hillel understood that when the guy understands what it means to be a kohen gadol, he will realize that it's not an option for him. And therefore, that, that's how Hillel understood it. Right? And that's basically what the Shach wants to say. Now this is a critical... He accepts it. It was a mekach to us. Mm. You're saying this was a mekach to begin with, right? And basically, because it was a mekach ta'ot, so it shouldn't be a convert. And that's what Rav Moshe Feinstein wanted to say. Rav Moshe Feinstein, in his truva, wanted to say, although there was a partial acceptance of mitzvot, he cannot claim mekach ta'ot, and therefore he is obligated in everything, right? That's a, but you, 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 you've got a valid question on Rav Moshe Feinstein. There was a Mechach Ta'ut going on over here. That's a good question. I don't have a clear, perfect answer of how to resolve all of the kashas that we've seen up until now in Hilchot Geirut and these stories in the Gemara. There's another story that we're going to leave out the Gemara in Menachot. 
in this story, yeah. in uh, source number 19, isn't it possible to say, right. the end result was that Hillel was Megayre. What was the process? So you're going with the Marsha. You're going with yeah. the Marsha. Okay, yeah. I, I hear it. You know, I mean, who am I to who am I to argue with Marsha? But I'm just saying that you can see that the Shach didn't really understand it that way. Unless, unless we say that, that when the Gemara says at the beginning, or Shachnar says, "En mekabelim yirim," kavana lechatchila begin the process of conversion. You're not you're not supposed to take them in. It's not the guy that's given the end stamp. Right. right. But even to say, please welcome, join our Ulpan Girut, unless you're it could sure. Be. It could be. Now, so I want to go back to Chosh Hashem. If we are going to accept the opinion of, let's call it the name of Rav Moshe Feinstein, because it's difficult to say it to Rav Moshe Feinstein, because the same Rav Moshe Feinstein in an earlier Truva yes. said that, you know, there's no such thing as, as partial. But so the Shulchan Aruch said, this guy who they didn't inform him of all the mitzvot, and maybe one could argue that there was only partial kabbalat or mitzvot. So what does it mean choshashim lo ad sheit barer tzid kato? So maybe this yeah. is a, sort of an answer to what we were just saying: is that you know what does gairei mean? Because uh, according to at least according to the way we read right, right, the, right. the Gemara in Shabbat, is that. Gaire means yeah, it was a it was a giur, but then what happens after that is a choshashimba. You have this sort of period where okay, he still needs to prove himself in uh, in commas. He needs to learn all the things with Hillel and see. Then he sort of figures it out for himself, and then you can say that it's you can say retroactively. Even if we went to worship Avodah Zarah again, what's a choshashim if not that? So I'll tell you what the Choshoshin is according to. The, the simple way of reading this Shulchan Aruch is, Choshoshin is means that it's not clear that he's a, a, it's like a, 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 his conversion is hanging in the air, right? And we're not sure, and we'll see how it pans out before we give the stamp of approval. However, the Radbaz, and I heard in the name of Rav Soloveitik, writes this in his Shurim. If you look at the word Choshoshin, in general, if you look at the word Choshoshin in, 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 in Shulchan Aruch, Choshoshin and in the Rambam, in Isurei Biyah, the word, this Shulchan Aruch is basically a quotation from the Rambam. So the so word Choshoshin, no, Choshoshin is referring to marriage. That means Choshoshin, we don't get married then. What does that mean? It means stay away. If you... Let's say... That's why the end says Kiddushat Kiddushin. Right, right, right. It's a dinin, it's, it's like this. He is a convert. Says the Radbaz, he's a convert. You converted him, the Beitim converted him, he's a convert. So what's Choshoshin? Choshoshin means, I'm not giving my daughter to him to marry. Right? That's what it means. It means we stay away from letting him marry our, our daughters and our sons. Because, you know, this guy's uh, got a big question about him. But is he Jewish? He's Jewish. Is he an El Don't know. Don't know. Let's wait. Let's see. Ah, once he's proven he's an Elech Okay, now my daughter, I give her the bracha, she can go and marry him. Choshoshin is referring to marriage. In all the times the Rambam uses the word Choshoshin, it's, general, it's generally regarding the, the dinim of marriage. And Mamzerut, can you marry this and that and that? It's all about marriage. So, based on that understanding... If you worship titles... He's, saying, he's still a Jew. Yes. He's so, still a Jew. So that's why you should not marry him. 
Yeah. Because then Kiddushav Kiddushin. Kiddushav Kiddushin. And this guy, you, he's not, he hasn't proved that he's an Eil yet. Yeah. Okay. We have 10 minutes and uh, there's a huge topic. So we have 10 minutes left. I just want to uh, briefly talk about Ger Katan. The truth is uh, converting a mana is uh, a fear or even two fear on itself, by itself. But let's, uh, I'll just introduce you to a few of the main issues involved. The question is, a katan, a mana, obviously doesn't have in halakha what's called dat. Doesn't have uh, um, his own uh, ability to make decisions, right? Now, if he doesn't have an ability to make decisions, here comes the question. The whole shear has been that what is critical for the, for the, for, uh, the conversion to take place, you need kabbalat or mitzvot. How does a mana, a child who doesn't have that, right, who doesn't have that ability to make decisions, be makabal or mitzvot? So how can a bait then convert a child or even a baby who can't even speak? A one-day-old child, the bait can convert. How does that work? Says the Gemara in Ketubot Dat Yud Aleph. Amar Avuna Ger Katan Matbilinoto Al Dat Beit we convert a child on the knowledge of baitin, al dat baitin, i.e., based on the dat or the consent of baitin. Says the Gemara, Mike Mashmulan, what's a chidush? The schutulo, is this a schut? Is this a merit for the, for the baby? Zachin la Adam and we have a principle that you can merit a person if, even not in front of him. We've already learned that. So what's the big chidosh of Rav Huna? Says the Gemara now, what might you have thought? A non-Jew likes the promiscuous life that he's able to live without all the boundaries that Allah would place upon him. So you might think that this isn't a merit for him to convert. Kamash Milan, the Hani Mili regarding a Gadol, that's only regarding a elderly person, a person who's already the Tam Tam Di Surah, who's already started living a promiscuous life. For him, yeah, it's not so it's not such a merit for him to become a Jew because he's now going to be able to miss out on all these uh, tithes and pr- promiscuous uh, life. Abal Katan Shutulo. But regarding a katan, regarding a mana, it is considered a merit. What is going on over here? Well, just let's try and explain this Gemara. Uh, we've got five minutes. There is a concept in halacha. That, let's say, uh, if I want to acquire something, a, a car. In order for me to acquire a car, you need, I need to make, there needs to be the intention of the buyer to buy, the intention of the seller to sell, and there has to be a mechanism, a mindset, Kenya, right? And maybe we have to also agree on a price. Those four uh, things are critical for an acquisition. What happens if someone comes um, to my neighbor and says that Duran has just won a car, right? From some uh, lottery or whatever. But if you don't, he needs to sign. And if you don't sign now, then we go to the next, uh, the second guy in place gets the car. Now, I didn't appoint my neighbor to be my shaliach. A, sh- a shaliach can act on my behalf and he can have that intention. He can do the action for me. Here, I didn't appoint him. Nevertheless, the Gemara says, we assume that if 
I would have known about it. It would have been a merit. I would get a free car. So then, even though I didn't appoint him, I, there wasn't a dat, we assume that I appointed him and he can act on my behalf and his dat is basically considered my dat. So that's called What is the Gemara saying over here? The cotton doesn't have dat. The miner doesn't have his own consent, ability to consent. But this is a merit for the cotton. So the baitin is acting on his behalf. It's a principle called zakin. Even though someone didn't appoint me to be their shaliyah, they can act as my shaliyah. And that's what's going on over here. And we assume that this is a merit because a child hasn't lived a promiscuous life. So it's all good. What's the challenge? The challenge is the Gemara in Bava Metziah says that the principle of Zachin works, uh, Gemara in Bava Metziah, you bet, says that Zachin works based on the din of Shlichut, of the principle of a Shaliyah. And the Gemara in Bava Metziah, Pei Aleph, says that the Ein Shlichut Lekatan. A Shaliyah, you can't, a, a, a Katan, a Mana, cannot make a Shaliyah. Right? Cannot make a Shaliyah. And a goy. Can a goy make a shaliyah? A goy can't make a shaliyah. So Tosvot says, okay, let's say we can get around the problem of a goy because like, it like happens simultaneously that he's a Jew because, you know, it happens simultaneously. He becomes a Jew and that's when the shlichot kicked in. But he's still a cotton, right? So, so, so how are we going to get around this? How do we convert a child? We need, number one, we need his consent, right? So we're saying it's based on Zachin, right? Number two, even if we have consent, does that necessarily mean that there was a Kabbalat or Mitzvot? There are two separate issues of here. Number one is consent to, I want to convert. Number two is, okay, it's not just I want to convert, but rather I have to accept all the Mitzvot. Can, he can't be Makabal Mitzvot until he's Barabah, until the child is Barabah Mitzvot, right? But, but from the Gemara in Ketubah, it sounds like he's a convert from day one, right? He's five years old and he's a good convert. So how does that work? Well, I want to catch another point if I'm on. Yes. You talked about a Gavin, an elderly person, an older man who led a promiscuous life. Right. But there's a concept of sure. And sure, I think, is accepted even for a non-Jew. Correct. No. If if a non-Jew, if a non-Jew, right, would do tshuva and would want to convert, we would accept it. We would accept it. There's uh, certainly the, a non-Jew who has led a promiscuous life, who's 20 years old, led a promiscuous life, and wants to do tshuva and convert, we accept it. The question is, we have to decide this non-Jew is, is not talking to us. He's sitting in a coma. Would he want to convert? Right? Would he want to leave the life of promiscuity? Right. So that, the Gemara says, we're not sure that he would want to leave it. Yeah. It's not that if he wants to leave it, we won't. He can't do tshuva. The question is, does he want to leave it? So the Gemara says, if we don't know, if we can't talk to him, we have to assume that if he's already started living a promiscuous life, he might not want to change. Right? If he wants to change, we accept it. But the question is, Abhikya, we're talking about that we, he hasn't told us and we have to make an assumption, what would he want to do? In that case, the Gemara says, if he's already started living a promiscuous life, we, don't, we assume that he wouldn't want to change. But if a kid, he would. I just want to, since we've got two, two minutes, I just want to say like this. 
One opinion, a radical opinion of Tosfot, says that when the Gemara says that the, this child convert, uh, can con- that the Beitin converts, this child is a convert, Midrabanan. He's only a Jew Midrabanan. We've heard of many things that are Midrabanan. Now we've even got a Jew Midrabanan. Until Bar Mitzvah or until Bat Mitzvah, when they can accept the mitzvot, because that's when they have um, that's yeah. when they have dat, and at that point it now becomes they are converts. The Mahadrin Midoraita. That's the opinion of Tosvot. Most other Rishonim, or Tosvot himself, gives a different answer. Tosvot says it is true that the Gemara says that Zachin only works Midrabanan for Katan, that the idea of Shlichot only works Midrabanan, but he said that's where there's, it's not a complete merit. I, there's a pro and there's a con. But where something is a complete merit, then it works even for Katan. Says Tosvot, being Jewish is a complete merit, and based on that, it would work even Doraita. Now, there are many huge ramifications between the first opinion of Tosvot and the second opinion of Tosvot. Number one, is this kid a convert only Midrabanan, and when it comes to Bar Mitzvah, he has to go through some type of process or not? According to the second opinion, it's not a problem, right? He's a convert. Another question. Many people adopt children that are not Jewish and they convert them, right? And they haven't told them they are adopted, right? Now, now comes their bar mitzvah. According to opinion number one of Tosfot, the parents will have to tell the child he is adopted because he has to be makabal or mitzvot. Now, according to many, many parents, at maybe at age 12, they don't, want to, um, they don't want to tell the child. Maybe they're waiting till. I don't know, 18, I, I, I don't know, I really don't know the psychological impacts or whatever. But it, this would be a practical ramification. Do you have to inform the child at the bar mitzvah or not? Right? So, and there are many other things to discuss. We've run out of time. Uh, Gil Katan is a huge topic. We just really scraped the surface uh, regarding the issue. What, okay, Yashakar. What happened? My, my, 